Welcome to Good Lad Unscripted, the podcast. I'm Terry Goodlad. My gorgeous uh, and very capable co-host, Anna Tigre, is not with me today. She is out with our four kids, gallivanting in the sunshine, having fun. Actually, uh, not much gallivanting. No, no, she, she, she likes to take the kids out in the morning. And I have a very, very, very special guest that I want to interview today because we're celebrating uh, your fifth birthday, Greg. <laughs> deep voice for a five-year-old no uh my my dear friend my very very close friend family member greg hasbury from is uh, on the phone with us today from birmingham alabama um greg yesterday was the five-year anniversary of you receiving a new kidney how was yesterday for you man you know what i woke up with the biggest grin on my face that I've had all year. <laughs> and that's about the only way I can describe it. I'm like, man, you know, I've been through a lot, but life's cool. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean you really you really, really have. And I, I remember when you were sick. Now of course I'm over in Las Vegas. You're in Birmingham and uh for those that know you, I think I can definitely understate this by saying you're a pretty cheery guy. <laughs> pretty positive pretty positive upbeat guy now i was out there for about a week while you were on dialysis and then saw what it's really like and it was vastly different than what you had been projecting or communicating to me you know through the text and on phone right uh it was hell like i like i can't imagine uh you know literally it's counting minutes of feeling good and the rest of the time, it's just getting from treatment to treatment, all the right. while knowing that your kidneys are failing and that right. the other end of that is, you know, the, the finality of life, right? The end, the end of your life. And that right. that could come at almost any time and anything could happen. You can get an infection. You can get anything. Um, so I want to go back to that time when you were first diagnosed uh now you're a young guy uh then you were when you had the transplant you were what 44 right okay young guy uh single father um you know you work very very hard you're a personal trainer a coach and very very busy guy you were a bodybuilder and we're going to get into that you know when we start talking about what caused this uh, because I, I know at the time that was the assumption, right? Is that it was, a so, so let's talk about that a little bit, but I want to go back to what was going on. What, what caused this problem at 44 and what was the extent of it? What, what was the diagnosis? Well, the diagnosis, uh, after about a month, it wasn't even a month, really. It was about two weeks in the ICU, uh, Brookwood hospital, you know, here. Um, that I was in uh, stage three uh, renal failure. The um, the uh, the hope was that my kidneys would regenerate, you know, on their own. So um, the the actual percentages vary anywhere between thirty two percent, you know, and up to not have to endure dialysis. Okay. So 
from that particular point, you know, because I was in, I was in peak shape. What, what, what were your symptoms, Greg? What were the symptoms? Like, why, what, what put you into ICU? Interestingly enough, I thought I had the flu. Really? I kept thinking, I said, man, I'm just sick. I'm tired. I thought I had the flu. Um, I was run down. I was sleeping a lot. Um, starting to have a few headaches, but that was the majority of it. And, uh, and I noticed that uh, I was having extreme swelling. Um, not like I'd ever, you know, had or experienced in my life. Now, you know, as a younger athlete playing football and running the track, I do remember experiencing, um, uh, I guess, uh, heat, um, heat exhaustion. Right. I didn't, I didn't quite go all the way into, um, you know, full blown, you know, full blown deal, but I do remember suffering heat exhaustion. So I had, you know, some issues with hydration. I've always had issues with hydration since about age 19 to 20. Right. So, you know, that, that was, a, that's a premium for me. But, um, during that particular point in my life, I was going through a lot of stress, uh, recently divorced, custody battle for my child. And that was ugly. Uh, I remember that. Uh, that was really ugly. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, that's the reality of life sometimes, but you know, that, that happens. Um, the stress was, you know, was insurmountable. Um, uh, after the, you know, the court date, approximately three days later, I'm in the gym, I'm training, I'm with my buddy Frank Posada, and we hit, we hit it pretty hard, and all of a sudden, I get up from the bench press. Now, Grant, get this, 515-pound bench press, two reps like it's nothing. I put it on the rack, I stand up, I turn around and say, hey, Frank, you know, we unloaded everything, I'm about to leave. I took about 10, maybe 15 steps, and I dropped to my knee. And I struggled to get up. I said, okay, something's not right. So from there, I ended up making it to my car and sat there for a while, just still not feeling great. And I made it to my mother's house. Because it's always a good idea when something like that happens to drive, right? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But, <laughs> but we do but that, don't we, as guys? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But as you see, you'll figure out kind of like who I am. You right, know? right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I ended up making it to, to my mother's house because I knew I didn't need to be alone, but I didn't really want to say, you know, one way or the other, something was bad. From there, she told me that I slept six hours sitting up at the kitchen table. Wow. And next thing I know, I'm in ICU. And um, I remember waking up maybe, I, I'm not sure how many days it had been, but waking up to find out that, you know, I was suffering from uh, kidney failure. Wow. Yeah, so it's pretty pretty rough trip, but to go from you know here again, I mean anything know, anything to skip a leg day. Hey man, hey man. <laughs> hey, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, man, I got to train. I got one. I got one. got basketball. I got all this stuff. I got to get out of here. I'm doing here. That's Greg. Know, I, mean, I, I admit it was probably the wildest head trip that anybody could ever experience. Um, and not to skip too far ahead, but. What I found out was that right after my transplant, I've had three other relatives suffer from this same deal. Wow. Uh, one that actually passed uh, last year. So, um, and, so, and so was this hereditary or what, what were the causing factors? Yeah, it's hereditary. Uh, high blood pressure, you know, being, being one of the causes. Um, still kind of doing a little bit of research. So, um, 
as of right now, I still have check. I still have regular check-ins with uh, with the well, surgical staff and with the you know the attendant staff. Uh, now I may go twice a year. I still have uh, every three months blood work. Whereas you know after the um, the transplant, oh gosh, I remember going every day. You know sometimes twice a day, and you know the poor ladies, you know you know in the clinic that were taking my blood. You know we I'd make jokes with them. Because they come up, well, we got to take your blood again today. I said, look, lady, I've had dialysis for the last four years. There's nothing you can do to me. You know? <laughs> yeah, try, try me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, just one, I'm just one of those guys. I'm going to crack a joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so let's go back and talk about uh, dialysis from the diagnosis, ICU, getting out of hospital, and then ending up in dialysis. What was that process? Well, uh, the process of that, you know, there's there are a couple of different you know um, processes of dialysis. Uh, peritoneal, you know, normally going through the, the belly, and that's a home health uh, method. You know, it gives you the option of you know having the comfort of being at home um, versus hemodialysis, which is you know clinic is clinic you know based. Right. Uh, um, it's a little more extreme. It's a little bit harder. It's a little faster. Well, I'm gonna say it's a little. It's a lot. Um, I tended to find that being at home, you know, and literally finding myself, um, for me being confined to a 20 foot line was the equivalent of somebody chaining a dog up to a tree, which I can't stand. Right. I, I've been known to like get some bolt cutters and cut a dog off the tree. Right. So, <laughs> I, I, just, I can't stand that. <laughs> so, um, you know, I suffered. I suffered a lot of depression. I was not happy. Um, that that could, this could, this could turn into a very intense, you know, story. So I'll keep it brief. But um, at the time, you know, I was lucky enough to have um, a, a lady that had been in my life uh, was a friend of my parents who was also a nurse and had a child that had gone through dialysis. And she called me and she said, "Greg, I want to talk to you about some of your options." And you know, I know right now you're doing peritoneal dialysis. And, and you know, having someone around you that that's known me from my childhood, you know, she said, "Wow, you're not going to like this." And I didn't. I hated every minute of it. To be truthful, um, and I think people need to hear this: the mental aspect of going through dialysis is it's real. You know, I tried to shrug it off. I'm this big, rugged, tough guy, and I thought, man, I <laughs> I could power through anything. And I tried that. You know, just being who I am. And not knowing that I was just putting myself in a worse position physically. How often? Uh, how often when you're doing the peritoneal? That's the one at home, right? Is that correct? Every day. Yeah, peritoneal dialysis is every day. Every day. Now, how long is each session? Uh, I think they average anywhere between four and six hours. So it's four and six hours of doing what? Just you're sitting laying, there. You're laying there, hooked into you're hooked into a machine, and you are. You're basically what's going on. Your toxins are being removed from your bloodstream, and they're being pushed through a, you know, another another machine like deal, cleaning your blood and replacing, you know, replacing it. You know, at the same so there's, so there's only so much Netflix that you can watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's only so much that you can do, you know, which is basically nothing. Now the other the other side of that, Greg, is is you know at that point, you know when you find out, let's go back to being diagnosed with kidney failure. Uh, 
mentally, how did that feel? Again, you're a guy, you competitive bodybuilder, great big guy, big muscular guy, very, very active guy. Uh, the dog reference that you made, you train dogs. Um, at a very high level. Um, so you're extremely active guy. You like cars, fast cars. Now you're rebuilding cars and trucks and you're out on the range shooting guns and you're doing all this crazy, doing jujitsu, all this stuff. Uh, what, what, what was it like to, to know that, that possibly you could pass away, that you could, this might be potentially fatal. Was that, how long did it take for that to register and how did that feel? Wow. Um, it took about, I want to honestly tell you, it probably took me about six months. I was depressed beyond any measure or anything that I could ever think about or dream about. You know, here I am. I just received, you know, custody of my daughter. Um, she's 12 or 13 at the time. You know, it's really, really amazing kid that I wasn't sure if, if I was going to be able to see. I just wanted to. At that particular point in time, Terry, if I would have been happy just to see her graduate from high school, like that—that—that that, that was my mindset. I literally just wanted to see Brittany graduate from high school, and if I made it that far, that's awesome. Um, I never took anything for granted, you know. After that, but you know, here again, you know, I think God places people, you know, in your in your life for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I had a nurse come in. Uh, I, I I actually uh, come down with pneumonia. And, you know, for somebody, you know, dealing with, you know, you know, with kidney failure, pneumonia could literally just, it could kill you. Right. It kill you in a So even now, even though I'm post-transplant, I still have to watch those type things. So, um, you know, the COVID-19 deal has been, you know, quite interesting, you know, to, to deal with, you know, you know, knowing that I take um, anti-rejection meds, you know, and, I, and even still, even during normal time, you know, I have a gym, you know, here, here in Birmingham, so. You know, I actually caution, you know, my, you know, my clients when they come in, like, listen, if you have been sick, you know, please respectfully stay home. And I tell them why, and, and, you know, and I, and I haven't had anybody that hasn't gotten it, you know, right. um, you know, I always say, Hey, you know, you, you know, your sessions are here. I'm not going to cancel them or, you know, take them from you, but just, you know, please just, you know, bear in mind that I'm don't kill me. <laughs> don't kill me. Yeah. Don't kill me. You know, you know, we, we'll work out another time. Right. But uh, but the mental aspect of, of that was something that I um, I wasn't truthfully anticipating. I lied to myself a lot. I played and ran the whole denial deal, um, even to a point where I actually was questioning whether I wanted to be here or not. Um, you know, it was um, it was very dark, and. You know, since then, um, you know, I've, I've spoken to a few, you know, we, I've, I've run into a few hard cases that, you know, someone that knows what I've been through, or one of the nurses or one of the social workers that I've been in contact with over the years, you know, they'll say, hey, do you mind? I, I, this has even happened on social media. And um, I still talk to those people now, which is wow. the coolest part. You know, wow. it's like, you know, I've had to have some hard conversations with, you know, with a few people. It's like, listen, you know, you've got to fight. You know, you're not promised anything. So, you know, the things that we talk about, you know, Bible verses that we read or motivational quotes, things like that, you're not promised anything. No, not a single one of us. You could take a step off that sidewalk and here comes a track apparently. You know, right, I mean, right. and I know, you know, everything, you know, I, I try to make light of everything, but I'm being serious at the same time. 
You know, you just don't know. You're not promised. Uh, but that conversation that I had that Saturday morning, I'll never forget it. And she looked at me and she said, son, you have this beautiful teenage daughter that you, you're going to want to see make it. You've got to do something better. you got to do better for yourself. So at that particular point in time, I made the choice to, to take on the harder dialysis, which was the hemodialysis. So I had to go through again and I had to have, um, you know, catheters, you know, put in. Um, I have this deal in my arm. It's called a, a, a fistula uh, where they actually do the um, dialysis, but it's basically two veins that they place them together and they grow this huge marshal vein and that's where you do your dialysis. So um, during that particular point in time, I was waiting and traveling and um, I traveled the region, just about every major hospital in the southeastern region from Tennessee to South Florida, I visited. Did uh, I stayed, I would stay sometimes two weeks at a time doing testing to see if I was a candidate uh, for a transplant. Fortunately, everywhere I went, I, I went to the top of the list because I was healthy. You know, I was extremely healthy and I, and disciplined enough to take care of myself, you know, in a way that I needed to. Uh, from there, um, little did I know, a gentleman that I, you know, that I've known for quite a while here in town uh, was my donor. Wow. And that was that was pretty intense in itself. Tell me about that day, the day that you found out that he, because uh, I remember this story and it's, Pretty oh, incre- wow. I, I just can't imagine being there and I can't imagine waking up the next day after this and going, okay, did that really happen? You know what I mean? D- yeah. Tell me, tell me yeah. that story. Cause it's a very unusual story. Very strange. I had actually known this gentleman. He's a, he's a federal agent um, here. So we've always kept his, um, you know, we've kept his identity, you know, um, a secret. Right. I think it, it got out. Some. There were a few people who figured it out through his church. And, you know, you know, there's always what, you know, few degrees of separation. So people started kind of figuring out, you know, okay, hey, you must be Greg Hanbury's donor. But, right. you know, for, for the most part, it's still, you know, fairly much a secret. Um, we um, we met at a Starbucks, and it's funny because I called him because he had some information that I needed, and um, he was the only person that I knew that could answer my question. It just so happened that he asked me, hey, he's like, Tell me about this thing in your arm, because that's usually how people look at it. They're like, man, that's a mighty big vein. Well, it, it, it was pretty gruesome. I, I've seen it, and it looked pretty <laughs> gruesome. And, I mean, you're just like, you know, I mean, you're used to it, right? But you yeah. you can't help. I mean, here's this great, big, tall, huge, monstrous guy, and then, you know, you don't notice that. You notice this great, big thing, this big knot on your, you know, sticking out of your arm, and it's like, wow, right. what's that, you know? Right. Yeah, I'm surprised I haven't named it yet. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll just name itself, Greg. <laughs> yep, I think it's, it's not going to be told anything. Exactly, exactly. So we we met at a Starbucks, and I had no idea that he had gone on his own and gotten tested. So we're sitting there at Starbucks, and he said, "Hey, um, I've got your information." He said, "But my wife is on the way. Do you mind if we, you know, we just chat a little bit?" Because she wants to see you. So I said, okay, cool. You know, big deal. I didn't, you know, I didn't think anything about it. One next thing I know, she comes around the corner, we hug, we sit down and talk, and we're having just general conversation. And I remember just getting back from um, Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, you remember that was, I think we had talked a little bit because that was one of the points that I almost lost my life. I was within minutes 
probably, I think the physician told me if I had gone another maybe three or four minutes without getting to that ER, that that was it. Yeah. And I, I remember that happening maybe three times that I remember. So um, we're sitting there and we're talking and he says, well, hey, um, I'm your donor. So I sit there and I kind of look at him like, what? You know, <laughs> and he says, well, I'm your donor. So he had to say it two or three times. And I, and I, I cried like a baby. That's, that's about the only way I can really describe it. It felt like somebody had, had taken an elephant off my shoulder. I can just imagine because at that point I remember too, and and maybe maybe just uh, let's talk a second about dialysis. I think the assumption is is once you're on dialysis, that's just an infinite thing. You can do that forever. You could live forever that way. That's not the case. That's not the case. Um, you know, so many things you know can happen. Um, I can tell you a few experiences that I saw. Um, I I'd witnessed heart attack, stroke. Um, one gentleman that I watched just literally just drifted off the police and he never woke up. And that's while you're at dialysis. I, I was in, that's while I was in clinic. Yeah. How did, what does that do to your head as a, as a dialysis patient when you see stuff like that? Honestly, all I kept thinking was, Oh my God, I kept, I prayed every time I saw that. I said, please just a few more days. Just let me out of here. Just let me out of here. Just let me get to this surgery and, you know, and move on. Um, it was hard to see. Um, you know, it wasn't my first time witnessing death, but it wasn't, it wasn't volatile. You know, it wasn't something that, you know, you, you would expect, you know, or a car wreck or anything like that. But to, you know, you know, I had worked in, um, I had been employed as a, as a physical therapy assistant. So I've had some clinical and I worked in the operating room for a while. So, you know, I'd had a lot of clinical experience, but, it's different when you're on the personal side, you know, of it, you know, it, it, that puts a different spin on it. So, um, now before, before you had your surgery, how long had you been on dialysis, Greg? Four and a half years. Okay. Now at four and a half years, uh, and I remember because it was harder and harder for you you're getting to the point where this has to happen soon or I may not survive this. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I remember calling you. Yeah. Um, my brother, uh, Olivia Terry, um, man, pretty much anybody, anybody who meant anything to me. Um, I called, I was, but truthfully, I was giving away things, you know, that I own. Yeah. Um, I would call just, you know, and it's funny, one thing that I have not stopped uh, doing, and I, and I won't ever, if, if there's somebody in my life and he means something to me, I will call you to say, hey, I love you. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything. That's it. You know, we'll have to talk, but I'll, I'll let you know. You know, and, and that's something that I, I remember beforehand, you know, just being a busy man and, you know, running around all over the place. I wasn't taking the time to do and, and now that's something that I'll never take granted, you know? So yeah. when the transplant came, Greg, how close to you, how, how f- your estimation, I think four and a half years, you got a pretty good idea to, you know, it was yeah. a, you following the trajectory of your decline for lack of a better term. How close were I mean, you? Do you think to die and how much longer before I you had the transplant? I, I honestly think I may have had anywhere between three and six months left. 
Yeah. It was getting harder and harder. Like I, I, I still managed to work and I, I like, I, I don't know how I did it, but I did and went back to work full time. But I think it kept me going. You know, I still trained, you know, as much as I could, you know, I may do a set and take like 20 minutes in between. That, but, yeah. you know, but I did. I, I remember being there. Uh, I was out there shooting and, and, uh, right. you know, we spent our days together and, and, uh, and I remember you being on a very, very regimented tight schedule, almost to the hour. And these are my good days. These are my bad days. This is what I do in my good days. This is what I do in my bad days. And there really weren't many good days or no. like what no, was no. one day of the week. I think you actually felt really good. Yeah, one day I knew there was going to be one day, and that was normally Saturday. Yeah, and I was like a million bucks, and I would do everything I could do. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would run around all over the place. But I remember, I think it was Thursdays and Fridays you were yeah. like barely moving, right? That was dead. That was dead. Like yeah. I, I think I remember. I remember us talking and eating, and then all of a sudden I was like, "Here, I gotta go to bed." Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and I would, but um. You know the, you know you could this can this this particular topic can run in so many different directions. Um, you know the depression and the and the hardcore part of it is real, and it's not something that should ever be taken for granted or underestimated. Um, truthfully, you know I'm telling on myself. You know they offered um, uh, psychological care, you know, or at least the the platform for you to um, speak to someone. And I, I refuse. I'm like, nah, I'm, you know, I can handle this. I'm tough. You know, I can do this. Dumbest thing I ever did in the world. I should have. Yeah. But, you know, I, I ended up picking it up later. And, um, oh, man, you know, I, I think I cried. I, I worried about my child. Um, I think that was my biggest motivation, too. You know, I wanted to see her succeed. How did it impact Brittany? I mean, she's she was old enough to know what was going on. And, and of course, you know, you're a public person, right? In the fitness industry, you're a public person. And, of course, a lot of stuff was said. A lot of assumptions yeah. were made. You know, and that's yeah. the funny thing. Somebody's dying, and that's when everybody becomes the least kind. And uh, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I want to talk about Brittany. Um, yeah. You know, it, how did she take that i mean she's she's like her dad she's always you know puts up the best front and like that right but uh i know she struggled a lot and and what what was it like for her there were a lot of nights that i didn't realize that she cried herself um um take your time there were um She channeled. She channeled a lot of her, a lot of her issues in her sport and in her academics. Um, I didn't realize that she didn't. She didn't really have anybody to talk to. I think you know. I, I you know. I'm grateful. That I think she and my brother developed a good, a really, really strong relationship during that time that I'm grateful for. And I'm, you know, and we, we you know, we also, you know, um, we talked a lot. You know, she, she never, she never complained. And there were some times that I think I even asked them, like, hey, if you've got something that you need to say or something's going on, tell me. But um, 
and I, I you know I know you know this particular story and I think we've talked about it before but one of my one of my biggest breakthroughs and one of my biggest breaking points was while still on peritoneal dialysis Brittany came home I think she had gone to basketball practice and I was laying on my side uh, dinner was ready and Terry it took me it took me a good hour to go 30 foot. The child walked in and she grabbed my arm and she put it around her shoulders and she tried with everything she could to stand up with me. She couldn't do it. I mean, I was just too heavy. And um, it was killing me. Literally killing me and I, and I know it was killing her. But she tried everything she could to pick me up off the ground. Out of the bed, rather stand me up and she managed to actually sit me up and uh but she couldn't get me i could she couldn't stand me up and i i just i remember you know i remember crying my eyes out when she left the room and i stood up i couldn't tell you it seemed like it was forever it probably took me five minutes to stand up and it probably took me another it probably took me another five to ten minutes to take steps. Once I made it past the bathroom and I made it down the hall and I took a right, I think I made it and I stood up next to the couch. I made it to the kitchen aisle and I made it to the kitchen table. That literally took me about 30 to 40 minutes. Wow. And, you know, I was an athlete my whole life. I've done everything that I've ever wanted to do physically. So to go from turbo to zero was a mind check like nobody's business. Now, you know, I know I'm not the only one. I mean, like my hats go off to these veterans that, that go fight for our country and they come home missing body parts. If they're not missing a body part, their, their minds are everywhere. You know, they're, they're trying their best to just get day-to-day to reacclimate themselves back into the world. Shoot, I posted something the other day. I'm like, who am I to complain because God sent his only son here, you right. know, to, to, you know, to, you know, suffer for I'm just giving. Who am I to complain? I'm no one. Get mm. up and fight. Amen. No, that, that's what you do. Have you talked to Brittany about, have you guys talked since you've, since it's been over, did she, has she oh, told yeah. you about what that was like for her, how she felt? She wrote me a letter. And again, you know, it was, a, it, was it was, I still got it. You know, there's certain things in my life I'll never get rid of, but she wrote me a letter. And I, I actually remember, I remember that day when I found out. I called my mom, called you. I dropped everything that I was doing, and I went straight to Hoover High School. Got her out of class to tell her that I was getting a transplant. And if you remember, it was a hell of a basketball player. And I remember, I remember seeing her knees at my eyes when she jumped up. <laughs> 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 it really, it really was was quite. Um, it was quite. It was quite the day, and. 
I think she just about she may have got close to breaking the ribs. She hugged me so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was that was uh, I, I can't I can't find words for it. Um, just it, it, it we've always been close, but I think it, it brought us to a point that we understand each other without even having to talk, talk about it. You know. So brought you guys closer together? Yeah. Oh yeah. And like we've always been close. Yeah, you guys are like glued, really, really close. Yeah. 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 We just from the time she's been on this earth. Yeah. Going back to that letter, Greg, without sharing the contents of the letter, it's private, obviously. What did you get from the letter? If you could summarize it, what were her feelings? She had a lot of fears, but. Um, she had a lot of fears, but she was hopeful and she was grateful. I knew that um, I had prepared her to be somebody that will thrive in life, not just survive. Even at a young age, one of the phone calls that I made was I, um, I call my I call my brother. And when I realized that I was, you know, I was feeling like I wasn't going to make it, I said, will you take care of? And he's like, you know, you haven't finished it. Then. You know? <laughs> he's like, yeah, of course I'm going to take care of it. That's all I needed. I didn't need anything else. Now your brother's in the military. Yeah, he's out now. He's, he's actually, um, he's retired now. Yeah. Okay. But at the time he was in the military. Military. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now was he deployable at that time? He... He was actually on contract in Korea. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he was on contract in Korea, and he uh, he was he was on his way back. So <laughs> actually, yeah, he was on his way back. I think that was I, I think he, he I gosh, he ran so many contracts. It was hard to hard to remember them all. But I mean, but, I, I guess the point I'm getting at is it would be a horrible thing uh, if you were to pass, and right. and her uncle was in the military, had to be deployed. God yeah. forbid another loss, you know, it would just be a devastating thing. Yeah. She has your mom and dad and, and you were blessed right. with amazing parents. I love your mom and dad. They're just amazing people. And, uh, and that's a whole other show, but, um, you did move back in with your mom and dad. How did mom and dad take it? They were scared to death. Yeah. They, they never showed it, but it came out in other ways. Yeah. There were, you know, there were a lot of days uh, I kind of have to say, hey, guys, ease up. I can, I can handle this. You know, just kind of, you know, um, I, I saw things in them that I'd never seen before. Because, you know, they they were used to me being a very, um, very rugged person. You know, I've always been able to kind of hold my own, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever and whatever I, I needed to do. So it was hard on them. It, I, I, it, my father, my, mine and my father's relationship grew. You know, I, I grew an even healthier respect for him as as a man. You know, you know, for the things that he, you know, that he's done and accomplished. You know, in his life. Um. You know, um, I, I didn't really, you know, when you're, you know, when you're a child. Even you know, even in an adult child, there are a lot of things that you don't realize or appreciate about 
parent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being at a point in my life where I gave up my home, start selling things off, preparing for the fact that I may not, you know, I may not be able to um, survive this much longer. I was, a, there were days that I was afraid to even drive my child to school because I was so exhausted. I didn't know if I could. So, you know, it got, you know, it got to that point, you know, where, um, where uh, I had to just do what I had to do. And, uh, you know, again, you know, the, the relationship uh, grew in even greater. You know, from there. Your faith in God, Greg, I know you're a Christian guy, as am I. Uh, did it, did it, I, I know, I know it boosted you up. Yeah. Were there times when you doubted it? Were there times when you were angry? Times when you were frustrated? Were you tested? Frustrated. Frustrated and tested. Angry? No. Um, I was, ang- I was angry with some of the situations that I allowed in my life but not angry with God at all. I, I just accepted it. You know, part of that was because of you. Things, you know, talks that we had. I learned to accept that these challenges were placed in front of me because I could handle it. You know, that God got this. You know, I'm, I'm learning from these situations. Um, but tested, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. You know, I wonder why me, why me, you know, who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a very real thing to you know the question and wonder why. Were you, you know, the anomaly in dialysis being a young guy, forty four? Yep, absolutely. Everybody else you is know. much older, right? Everybody else was, you know, everybody else was. Gosh, they were in. There. So you were fifty. You were fifty. You were young. Yeah. You know? So so that's a, that's makes sense. Why me? Right when that's your environment. Now I want to switch gears here. <laughs> I want to address all the gossip that was going on at the time. Uh, Now you were a bodybuilder. You were at that time. What were you around? What? 300 pounds, somewhere in there. I float around anywhere between 295 and 300. Yeah. And that's, you can throw the calipers on that guy at 300 pounds at any point in time. And it's not going to register in the double digits. So you are lean, big, huge, muscular guy. That's just the way God built you. And then of course you did a lot of work to, to get bigger. So the assumption was that this had to be the copious amounts of drugs you were taking and on and on and on and on and on. And, and so in other words, self-inflicted, and therefore, you deserve no mercy, you deserve no respect, you deserve no consideration because everybody assumed yep. that you had done something that had brought this on yourself. But the fact is that that wasn't the case. No, it really wasn't the case at all. And, and to be honest with you, I, I, I'm one of those guys that I keep notes of everything that I did. Right. I walked in with, with at least three notebooks of everything that I'd ever, that I'd ever done. And, and let's just be honest, I'm, you know, for people that are listening or, you know, that will hear this podcast, um, I am a full disclosure type. Listen, you know, hardcore bodybuilding is not necessarily um, the cleanest deal. You know, it does involve some antibiotics and, you know, androgens. And, it's not you know, necessarily so focused on health. It's focused on no, looking a certain all. way so that you can win a bodybuilding contest. Exactly. So, you know, um, 
you know, they're going to be some people that are going to hear this. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that. Well, sorry. Yes, <laughs> Guess what? Everybody knows anyway. I literally walk in, you know, and, you know, again, you know, I'm, I have a, I have a pretty vast, you know, background. Yep. I sit down, everything, I put it in front of them. I said, guys, here you go. Full disclosure. I want to live. What do I have to do? These are the things that could have contributed to this. Three different positions that were all working together, all walked in. They were like, great. This has nothing to do with why you're getting sales. Number two, your lifestyle is excellent. Which, you know, one of the reasons why you're still here. And, you know, we appreciate the full disclosure, but you're fine. You don't have to worry about that. Okay. Now, here's the real side of it. Okay. Um, it is fact that diuretics have and have and play a very, very large effect on your kidney and your kidney health or your detriment of your kidney. Okay. Um, that's something that I disclose. I'm, I am a competitive coach. You know, I have clients all over the United States and abroad. I'm very, very open. I'm very, very honest. And these you are know, competitors. These, I mean, you you prep people for contests, and so you contests. you have that decision of, uh, you know, condoning or, you know, right. directing, you know, that directing. coaching people, directing yeah. them, and and right. then they make their final choice. But um, those substances are things that potentially could yeah. wreak havoc with their health. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And you have to know everything ahead of time. I, and I know that there are people that. Hey, take this. And on the other side, okay, no problem. I trust you. Eh, I was never quite that way. (laughs) 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 And that's not a a judgment against anyone, but you you have to, you know, you you have to be mindful of where you are and what you're doing. With with that level of responsibility and being on the other end of it, being sick, you know, and Mm -hmm. knowing that these things are just even even just the dieting, the way it's done, you know, the, the, you know, extremely low carbs and stuff like that, that can create problems. You know, if somebody has got a genetic predisposition to, you know, just, just the nature of the sport itself, let alone any drugs, uh, can be very detrimental. Is that something that you approach differently now? Do you have? Absolutely. Yeah. I I have a physician that that I can call at any particular point in time. I require that you do have a you know a full blown medical exam. You you have to, I have to see your blood work. If I don't see your blood work, I will not train you. Okay. I will not work. Point blank. Don't, don't ask me another question until you walk in with that blood work. Now I've been and in I, the bodybuilding industry yeah. as an athlete, as a coach, yeah. as a writer, as a photographer for pretty much my whole entire life at some level or another. I started in the gym when I was 14. I'm 61 next month. I've never known anybody that does that. They, they'll tell you, go see a doctor, but uh, really nobody holds you to that level of accountability. Is that, is that because of the kidney disease? No, I mean, I'm, well, yes and no. Yes and no, I, because, because I've experienced it. And I know the ramifications if you don't like, you know, if you don't follow everything across the board. But actually, this is something that I put in practice. Um, oh, gosh. 1999. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I put it in practice then. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, this is kind of a funny story, but I had a guy who wanted to compete so bad that he dug up old blood work from 2017. <laughs> it's 2020. <laughs> it's like, dude, you need to freshen it, this up. So, you know, I, I'm sitting, and you know how something runs through a fax machine? You know, it always has that little date on the side. Yeah. On the very edge of the corner. And I took a screenshot of it. I blew it up. I said, buddy, sorry, but not, no. Not good enough. Me again. okay i want to switch gears again greg uh and of course well i want to go back and just seal that off just button that up you had a pre-existing condition or a genetic a genetic issue that was amplified by a genetic medical issue of high blood pressure and that's what affected your kidneys um and in now i want to talk i just want to switch gears and talk about your donor for a minute now the process for them uh, i've been told that the recovery <laughs> is harder on the donor than it actually is on the recipient is that true it is it is it's very much us very much us um the testing is actually even more difficult wow. you know than than it is uh you know for you know for the actual recipient um you know so many i i, I was fortunate enough to have a you know fair amount of people that tested for me mm-hmm. and uh, and i and i would tell them ahead of time it's like listen you know this is a lot and i appreciate the sentiment if it's something that just doesn't jive with you hey i just appreciate you even thinking about it mm-hmm. you know? and uh now you know, i i, I want to talk about again the donor again mm-hmm. um that that's a big decision because now that guy walks the rest of his life. He's got one kidney. If he's got an, an issue, he's he's baked. So that is a, a very very big deal. How is? Have you talked to him about that? That what it, what it was involved in his decision? Did what what? Why did he make his decision? Did you guys ever talk about that? Yes, we have. He actually met a guy before he made his decision. He, he and his family were sitting in a restaurant in Auburn, uh, Alabama, where his um, his oldest daughter uh, attends. I think she's about to graduate. And, uh, she graduated already, actually. And he met a gentleman in a restaurant. They just struck up a conversation. It, it just it was just happenstance that they struck up a conversation. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman ended up telling him, "Oh yeah, man, I just donated the kidney to uh, you know to somebody I didn't know." You know, and they, you know, again, I wasn't there, but apparently from what I've told, what I've been told from his family was that they literally stood there and talked about half an hour. Wow. And, you know, he felt like this was a calling from, um, calling from God for him to, you know, to affect the life of, uh, of another. And, um, that's when he went through his testing. Yeah. And, you know, again, you know, un, you know, unknown to me, unknowingly to me that, that he had gone through this. And um, I knew something was up because my, my transplant coordinator said, hey, I got good news for you. You know, somebody's testing. <laughs> and I'm like, don't tease me. Just tell me the whole thing. Exactly. Don't play games. Don't play games or something like don't this. Don't play games with me. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. You know, but... Um, she calls me again and she said, Hey, make sure that you're, you're staying on top of your meds. You're staying on top of everything that you need to get you, you know, to this process, you know? So she was prepping me. She was prepping me mentally, mm-hmm. you know, for, you know, for what was to come. 
again, you know, going through the process of dialysis, trying to live a normal life. Man, I'm sitting here like, okay, all right, thanks. You know, I got something I got to get done over here. And, you know, part of that is, you know, taking care of yourself. And, and, um, unfortunately, I've heard stories of, and I knew of a few actually who were going through the same process that I was. And, um, they missed their opportunity because they didn't remain prepared. Gotcha. Um, so that's a big part of it. Not just getting the donor, but you got to prepare yourself for it. I prepare yourself. You have to continue to take care of it because if you don't, it can reject, you know, right. quite easily for myself. I, I was lucky. I, I had zero complications. Um, I want to say uh, coming out of recovery, I was talking to my brother yesterday because my my we shared the same birthday. It was my it was my transplant birthday, and it was his actual birthday. Oh gosh! And he flew in, and I looked at him. I said, "Man, I said, you know, I really you don't know how much I um how much I appreciate you staying with me and sleeping on that hard couch, you know, in the hospital on your birthday." And he said, "He said no." You know, he's like, it's no big deal. I needed a nap anyway. Of course, that's, you know, that's how, <laughs> I mean, that's just how both of us are. That's you know? <laughs> brother punching the arm thing when in, to replace yeah, the hug. Yeah. That's, that's been the whole, our whole life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, uh, now you're on the other side of this now, Greg, you're five years alive with a new kidney. Right. Things are going well. Right. Uh, right. in that time, Brittany's gone off to college she mm-hmm. took the accelerated program, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. And graduated so she, in three years. In three years instead of four, which is yeah. Brittany. That's, Way smarter. That's how she does Way things. Than her dad. <laughs> <laughs> and right. uh, and she's uh, you know she's doing really really well. And and you have really taken on life. I mean, you're a guy that trains dogs, right? And you train right. them. You train them to be working dogs, correct? Correct. Correct. Uh, you also love fast cars and, and like yeah. that. And so you've, you've got, right. you've actually started a little side gig now yeah. buying fixer yep. uppers. You're, you're the Joanna right. Gaines of uh, Alabama's uh, car <laughs> re- restoration. <laughs> uh, you got into, uh, you know, you, you got into long gun shooting. So yeah. anybody that doesn't like sniping, I guess it would be the, yeah. what, how people would understand it best, but uh, shooting with a long rifle. Uh, and you've really embraced that with complete passion and you just uh, started taking jujitsu and you've right. embraced that with an incredible passion. Right. You're doing all these things. What else is on the bucket list? And uh, I, I can't imagine, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine. I've been in that situation where, you know, death was seemingly very close, if not imminent. And mm-hmm. then that makes you enjoy life so much more. And so you just don't feel encumbered. Talk about that feeling of transitioning from, okay, I'm going to die to, oh my God, I'm going to live to, okay, I'm going to live without a lot of complications to, hey, I can do whatever I want to do now. Whatever I want to do. Well, this this is going to be a funny conversation. I'm pretty sure uh, Dr. Hannaway is going to punch me when I say this. Um. They, they literally they walk in with a list, and they were like, "Okay, Greg." And he literally looked at me. He's like, "Look, I already know you're not going to behave." I said, "Okay, we're glad we got that understanding." <laughs> 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 I said, he has his huge list, and I look at this list, and I said, "Doc, I said I'll do one thing." And he's like, "What's that?" 
I'll get rid of my motorcycle. <laughs> and I really tried not to do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I mean, in a seri- on a serious note, you know, I never really stopped training, but it's just a part of me. It makes me feel alive. It's what I do. Right. So I continue to, you know, to get back into my strength training. Um, of course, you know, co- you know, competing as a bodybuilder is, is out for me. Um, I considered it, you know, one time, you know, I, I actually had a supplement company approach me and ask, you know, would you be willing to be a comeback story? I thought about it for a few seconds and well, I said maybe a few days I thought about it. I played with it. I remember that. Yeah. And then I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wow. And I'm thinking, that? are you out of your mind? I must be crazy. Yeah. But I am crazy. But no, I'm kidding. But I, um, I, um, I literally just said, you know, this is not something that, um, you know, I've, I've done it. I competed 20 years and I competed at a really high level. Okay. Yeah. Been there, done that. Not something that I need to reapproach. Um, but I had so many things in my life that I enjoyed that I wanted to accomplish. So uh, one of those things was to not be in a facility that I was working for the facility or um, a part of their name. So I had made a promise to myself and we had talked about it for years yep. that I'm going to get myself together, you know, once I'm healthy and I'm going to strike out on my own. You were here during that time and right. we came down, we talked to Khalifa and, uh, and you know, he had that up that opposite side, but you know, I ended up doing my own thing in a couple of different facilities, two other facilities. And I ended up luckily and so blessed to be here. You know, one other thing that I really wanted to get into, and I, I was a hunter, you know, growing up, but I'd never gotten into the um, the tactical side. So um, I called uh, a gentleman, his name is uh, Jared Hudson. He owns the Shooting Institute. He's a former Navy SEAL, um, Navy SEAL uh, uh, sniper instructor. I had gotten into some of the tactical, you know, training and gone through a lot of the courses there, and, and I'm still continuing to. Uh, trying to do something this weekend, <laughs> but um, you know, for me personally, it's always about self improvement. You know, um, I love skills. You, you know, as a, I don't feel like any man could ever not have a, you know, a, enough skills just to survive. Yeah. You know, alone. You know, I was in IDPA matches, and um, I was doing, you know, a lot of the, you know, the competitive shooting stuff. I'm like this is fun, but I like the real world. <laughs> right, right. So the next thing I know, I've got Jared out there. Hey, we don't care about there being ants on the ground. Lay down there, take this shot. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm getting home and my chest is cut up and rocks and everything else and sprinting and making shots like on the go. And anyway, to make a long story short again, it's become a passion. And, um, Along the way, you know, the process of health, you know, his, you know, again, is something, you know, that it never really has stopped the, you know, the whole improvement deal. So, you know, I got myself back into some good cardiovascular shape. My strength is great. Um, again, nothing like the 290-pound guy that, you know, that I was. But so now I'm taking on uh, jiu-jitsu and, and, and I'm loving it with a passion. You know, I've got a... I've got a you know two great German shepherds that I'm preparing for competition uh, this summer and fall and um, I don't know man you know you get a second shot you got to use it 
you know, you, you have to use it. And, you know, there are other things that I have left in my life that I want to accomplish, and I think they're coming. You know, it, just, it may be a matter of time, but, but um, for right now, I'm loving my I'm loving my journey. You happy? Yeah. Yes, I am. I am, I am very, very happy. Um, you know, I think, you know, yesterday was huge because you asked me earlier, you know, how did I feel? And I told you, know, I, I woke up with a grin, you know, on my face because a lot of things that I did not feel confident in, even if I'm not exactly 100% confident, I'm willing to take a shot at it because I don't, I don't ever want to use the term like, you know, you, you, you're living on borrowed time. But to be truthful, you know, a transplant is not guaranteed to last you 30 years. You know, you know the, the truth of it is, is, you know, my projection is to make it to about 70 to 71. You know, they also told me that, well, Greg, you probably going to make it, you know, 80, you know, 80, you know, so. I said, well, hell, I'll take 80, 85. That's pretty enough. That's pretty much enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, by that time, everybody will be tired of me anyway. You might change <laughs> your mind when you get there. I don't know. I don't, I don't, you're, you're not going to be a regular 80, 85, Greg. No. I mean, um, you know, I've gotten into horseback riding lately. You yep. know, um, you know, it's something I've done which looks all like long. which looks like an average guy sitting on a German Shepherd. By the way, you need to either find a bigger <laughs> horse or. <laughs> okay. Yeah, those are kind of the words. Like you need to get a bigger horse. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> you, get, you look like you look like a grown man sitting on a kid's horse or something like that. I think you need a bigger horse, dude. Uh, Greg, you got yeah, any yeah. advice for somebody that is facing kidney disease, facing dialysis, and their families? Yeah, uh, education is key. Um, understanding, um, understanding where you are, and taking it day by day because it's such an overwhelming experience that there's no way you're going to take it on and master it in one or two shots. Um, truthfully, there were things that I didn't come to a understanding of until, until I actually had the transplant. Um, kidney disease robs you of your, um, of your memory. The uric acid, you know, develop, you know, um, you know, increase in the bloodstream. Yep. It literally robs your memory, you know, and that's the only way that I can describe it. So, um, you know, you know, I I can go on and on and on. I know we only have half an hour on this podcast, but well, we're well um, past that. So, are we past <laughs> oh yeah, wow. dude, we're working on an hour now. An hour now. It's wow. worth it though. It's good. Yeah. Well, I, you know, again, I, I I have never been one to want to make excuses about things. So, I I have taken on life with a passion, and I'm living unapologetically. And I'm going to do the things that I want to do and the things that I need to do for myself, for my family. Um, from a familial standpoint, if you go, you know, if you're around somebody or you, you live close to somebody who's dealing with this situation, listen to them. You know, the facts are there, the medications are there, the process is there, but listen to how they feel. Ask them. Every day is going to be different, but ask them. A lot of times they're not even going to be able to verbalize really what's going on, but um, I'm so grateful for you and Anna and Elaine, you know, Olivia, Terry, Frank, Basada. I mean, I could go mm-hmm. on and on and on, but you guys, 
you didn't try to take over and do things for me. You just listened. And um, that's why, you know, early in the podcast, you know, addressing the, the mental state of things is paramount. You cannot underestimate it, you know, at all. Um, there's going to be a lot of a lot of things from an educational standpoint that neither one of you are going to take it all in at the same time. Nutrition is key. A lot of the a lot of new a lot of the new um, technology or the you know the new processes now are way different than they were ten years ago. Um, for me, you know, having you know having this background was enormous. You know, it was absolutely enormous to me. So it helped. It helped me, you know, move along, you know, move along at a faster rate. And if somebody you know, then, is having troubles with the depression and like that, that's something that is normal. It's something that yeah. everybody on dialysis goes through. It's something that is also treatable. Would you agree? Yes, it is. Hey, it's completely treatable. And deal with it. Don't don't just ignore it. Deal with it. No, if there's somebody that listens to this podcast, call me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I might give it to you like sandpaper, you know, the bathroom, but, you know. <laughs> but you'll get it, though. I'm not going to, like, sugarcoat it. You know, I'm going to tell you how it is. Well, listen, man, I, I, I want to wish you a happy, happy birthday. I, I, I know you got to get going. You got stuff to do. Yeah. I, I do want to, uh, if somebody wants to talk to you, because I'm sure somebody listening to this is either going through it or know somebody that is, or might even be interested in being a donor, if they want to talk to you, what's the best way to reach out? Um, try me at Elite Fitness Birmingham on Instagram. Elite Fitness Birmingham. Okay, and I'll put the link below. <laughs> thank you, Greg, for your time. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we don't do enough of these kind of shows, man. There's some great stories out there. Greg is, dude, you're one of my favorites, of course, because you're my buddy and my family. I'm um, so Thank glad you. you're still here. I'm so glad you fought that good fight. I I know a scratch of the surface of how hard it was for you, and I've got nothing but mad respect for, for you and how you've weathered this. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Good Lad Unscripted podcast. I'll leave a link below for you to get a hold of Greg. We'll be back in a couple days with another episode. I'm feeling that with toes on